Now, let's get serious for a few minutes. We kind of had an introduction last week to some of these spiritual gifts that we see listed here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul is kind of explaining to the Corinthian people uh, the importance of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works and and certain ways that the Holy Spirit uh, gives these gifts or empowers. I don't know if that's a good way to put it, but uh, gives gifts or empowerment to certain people in certain areas that are are stronger maybe than other people in other areas. And the Holy Spirit gifts in different ways and different people. Now, last week in the introduction, a little out of context of what Paul was talking about, we kind of talked about everybody having a part in the church and having uh, more of a talent than than a spiritual gift as to what he's talking about here in these verses. But uh, what we talked about last week is true. We all have different talents that we can use, but what Paul is talking about, I I believe, is a little deeper than just a mere talent for being able to sing or play an instrument or cook and all those things are talents that some of us have. But what Paul is talking about when he talks about spiritual gifts are things that are a little deeper than that. and They are gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit, uh, things that, that we all as Christians, I believe, at least to some extent can possess and learn from. But in some people, I believe the Holy Spirit gives a, a little deeper measure of these things that are being talked about. Now, we'll be talking about these gifts of the Spirit uh, in, the, in the next few weeks to come. And we'll also talk about them later on. We'll get, we'll get to some more spots where Paul talks about that even here in the book of 1 Corinthians. There is much to be said about these gifts of the Spirit and some different points of view as to whether or not they're all still in use today or whether or not some of these gifts were, were limited to uh, the disciples, the apostles of Jesus Christ back in that day. And we'll talk a little, about, a little bit about that in the weeks to come. So maybe you, you're kind of questioning that or thinking about that. So we'll, we'll discuss that. But today we're just going to look at one little verse. To get the context, though, we'll we'll just go ahead and read 7 through 10. That'll kind of give us an idea of where we were last week and also where we're going to be in the weeks to come. And this, this is just a list of some of the uh, gifts of the Spirit that Paul lists here. Verse 7. A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of languages. To another, interpretation of languages. But one and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as He wills. Let's pray. Father God, we come to You and I pray that as we look at these gifts of the Spirit today that you would help us just to understand and to grow in them. God, help us to have an understanding of how these things work, dear Lord. Maybe there's some confusion or or, or it's just kind of hard for us to understand your Word sometime, but help us to understand what your Word is saying when it talks about gifts of the Spirit. God, help us to to, 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 to be able to, to come to you and try to seek God, to see areas where you may have gifted us with the Holy Spirit in different ways. God, help us to be able to, to, to use those things that you've gifted us with for your kingdom. And so, God, I pray that today as we look at all these texts and everything we're going to discuss, that the Holy Spirit would hide me behind the cross, dear Lord, and help us to pay attention to your word today and just grow in you. God, let the Holy Spirit reveal something to us that's going to crawl, cause growth in our heart and our relationship to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, 
I'll tell you guys that we are going to look at a lot of Scripture today. We're going to look at quite a few different passages, and I may be going through them kind of quickly. And you can make a note of them, or you can ask me afterwards, and I'll even print them out for you. I'll give you a printout of my, of my Scriptures here, so you can go back and read them. Some of them we're just going to kind of pick out, and it's not going to be in context. I'll try my best to kind of give you the context. But we're going to look at a lot of Scripture today. So if you'd like to turn, get your fingers ready. But when we talk about gifts of the Holy Spirit, we see a few different lists mentioned in the New Testament. And they all kind of have some overlap. Some of the things are the same in, in these lists of gifts of the Spirit. And some of them are a little different. Now, of course, we just read uh, the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But there is another list that is found in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. And it says, According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith. If service, in service. If teaching, in teaching. If, in, if exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. So here we have another list where Paul is talking about gifts of the Spirit. And some of them kind of line up with things in this list, uh, but some of them are different that aren't in this list. We see Paul mentioned again at the end of this chapter, in chapter 12, verse 28. And God has placed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, managing, and various kinds of of languages. So we see uh, these gifts of the Spirit kind of listed out, and, and some of these lists are a little different, but these are all things that Paul says are gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit. Now, to some extent, most of these things, or all of these things that we read here, uh, uh, we, for, for the most part, Christians uh, should possess these things. We should have love. We should have mercy. We should have, uh, you know, all these, these the compassion, these type of things and helps. Some of these gifts that are mentioned. We should have knowledge. We should have wisdom. All of these things are things that I believe all Christians should possess in some degree. But I believe what Paul is talking about when he talks about gifts of the Spirit is Paul is saying that there are some who are gifted in a deeper way. They're giving a little bit deeper measure of some of these things. And I think we can see that. I think we can understand that because we can see that uh, among other Christians that we see in, in, in our walks. There, there are people I know that are just, they're what I would call prayer warriors. They just have it in their heart. They just, they, they can pray to the Lord. They are just dedicated. They can do it. Uh, there are some in the world who, who have the gift of healing. Now, there are many who would debate over whether or not that gift still exists. I believe, personally, that that gift does still exist. That there are still people that God has given the ability to lay hands on people or in whatever way that takes place, that God has allowed some people to heal people. Uh, there are many different gifts listed here, and I believe that some of these gifts, some of us possess a, a, a deeper understanding and a deeper grasp of those things because the Holy Spirit has placed that within us. And today we're going to look at verse 8 that talks about the gifts of knowledge and wisdom. In verse 8 it says, To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. So here we're talking about wisdom and knowledge. Now, as Christians, we all should possess some wisdom and some knowledge. We, we want to grow in the Lord. We want to have knowledge of God's Word. We want to have wisdom about what God's Word says and how to make proper choices and good choices in life. And Paul has already told us at the beginning of 1 Corinthians here that God's wisdom is Jesus Christ. 
And so, so wisdom fully known is Jesus Christ. That's where wisdom begins. And as we begin to study, of course, we gain wisdom in other areas and other aspects, but it all starts with Jesus Christ. Any knowledge and wisdom that we have needs to be centered on, founded on, uh, and built upon Jesus Christ and go from there. Now, there are a few scriptures that I'll read to you guys that talk about knowledge and wisdom and our wisdom and wisdom. Some cases. Second Chronicles 1.10 says, Now grant me wisdom and knowledge so that I may lead these people for who can judge this great people of yours. Now, in this case, this is Solomon. And his request to the Lord when he was set to be king over God's people is that he knew that he was not capable of doing that. He knew that on his own he didn't have the strength or the ability. And so what he asked God for was a good thing. He said, God, give me wisdom and knowledge. He wanted to know what, what God's desire, what God's will was. He wanted to know God's word. He wanted to know who God's, God was. He wanted to know how to better lead the people. He wanted wisdom so that he could make wise decisions, so that he could put God's people in the best place to succeed and grow in the Lord and to be safe and to not give in to these other, other people who were around God's people at this time. So Solomon asked for a good thing. And God even acknowledged that. God said, you could have asked for anything. You could have asked for wealth or whatever it would have been. But God said, you asked for wisdom and knowledge. Therefore, I'm going to give you all the rest of this stuff. And so here's a good example of somebody who was seeking wisdom and seeking knowledge. And you can read more about that uh, if you want to sometime. It's a, it's a good story. Sadly, even though Solomon had wisdom and knowledge, he still didn't make the wisest choices, but that's a sermon for another day. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. Now, uh, these Proverbs start out saying that these things are good for us to hear. These things are there to help us grow in the Lord. Verse 2, for learning what wisdom and discipline are, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving wise instructions in righteousness, justice, and integrity for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced and knowledge and discretion to a young man. A wise man will listen and increase his hearing, and a discerning man will obtain guidance. So if, if you want to understand knowledge and wisdom, I would say the first place to turn to would be Proverbs. That's a great book of the Bible to read. If you say, well, I haven't been making wise decisions, I'm not living wisely, where should I go? Well, a good place to start is Proverbs. You will find tons of scripture about wisdom and our knowledge in the book of Proverbs. And we're going to read a few of them today. Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So if we want to gain true wisdom and true knowledge, we go to the Lord. When we genuinely fear the Lord, when we genuinely seek the Lord, then we can find out really what wisdom and knowledge is. Paul tells us at the beginning of 1 Corinthians that uh, the people, some of them there at least, were, were holding on to a worldly knowledge and a worldly wisdom. And Paul was correcting their, their improper way of thinking by saying, no, you're, you're, you're holding on to worldly wisdom, but look at what godly wisdom is, and that is Jesus Christ. And even in Proverbs, the writer knew, probably Solomon, he knew that the only place to really find wisdom and to find knowledge was in the Lord. Continuing on, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but one who hates correction is stupid. Now, that's a pretty intense verse right there. 
Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Now, that's a good way to think about it. Uh, What the proverb is saying there is that those who are teachable are good, but those who are unteachable are stupid. Now, sometimes, for some of us at least, we don't like to be corrected. But the Bible says, look, those who, who love discipline love knowledge. That is, we realize that we're not perfect, and we realize there's areas that we need to grow, and we realize that, hey, if someone is correcting us, then maybe we need to be corrected, and if we listen to them, then we will gain some knowledge from that. We will gain some wisdom from that, from that person who is speaking into our life. Now, anytime we speak into someone's life, if we see them maybe doing something wrong, we want to do that out of love, and we want to do that in a proper way, but Here, there is knowledge that comes, the proverb says, when we listen to those who try to bring correction to our life, but one who hates correction is stupid. Now, if we don't ever listen to anything anyone tries to speak into our life or teach into our life, we're not going to grow. So we have to take the stuff we want to hear, the good stuff, along with the bad stuff so that we can grow in the Lord. And if we refuse to listen to anything spoken into our life by a Christian who is looking out for our best interest or by someone who is trying to teach us God's Word, then the Bible says that we are stupid, and we don't want to be those who are stupid, but we want to be those who are wise. Proverbs 14 18, the inexperienced inherit foolishness, but the sensible are crowned with knowledge. We want to be sensible men and women. We want to be sensible about when we read God's Word and what God's Word is trying to teach us and what the Holy Spirit is trying to impart on us. We don't want to be those who are foolish, but we want to be those who are digging in, who are seeking the Lord. And if we are, we are those who are crowned with knowledge. We want to have a better knowledge of God's Word. That's part of why we come to church. That's part of why we come to Sunday school. We come to worship the Lord, but we also come to grow in God's Word. We want to understand what God's Word means. And sometimes that is difficult. There are parts of it that are tough. But when we come together as a group and we dig in and say, God, we want to seek you and see what you're leading us to because we want to get it right. We want to make sure that we're living in obedience to you. When we do that, then we begin to grow. We begin to grow in knowledge. We begin to grow in our relationship with one another because we're all working at it, thinking about it, talking about it, seeking the Lord together. And that's what uh, that's what we want to do. That's part of the reason why we come to church. It's so that we can grow in our knowledge and wisdom of God's Word and of the Lord. Luke chapter 11, verse 51 through 53. This is Jesus talking to some of the the experts in the law who had opposed Him uh, so often in His ministry. Verse 51, From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary... Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible. Woe to you experts in the law. You have taken away the key of knowledge. You didn't go in yourself, and you hindered those who were going in. Now, what Jesus is saying here is he tells them that they have taken away the key of knowledge. Now, knowledge was the key of understanding to grow in the Lord so that the kingdom of heaven could grow, so that people could come to Jesus Christ 
But what the experts in the law were doing is they had taken away the key of knowledge. That is, Jesus says, you know all of this stuff about what we call the Old Testament. You know what it says, but you're not living it. You've missed it. You have a, a, a head knowledge, at least, of what's there. But in your heart, you've missed the knowledge of what God is really trying to impart on you so that you can come to me, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he says, look, you guys are withholding the key of knowledge from those who are trying to go in. That is, there were some people of Jesus' day who were legitimately actively seeking, trying to understand God's Word so they could see the Messiah when He comes, so they would know it was Him. But the experts in the law were constantly trying to turn people away from Jesus. And so that knowledge of what the text said and what God had prophesied through all the ones who had come before, that knowledge was pointing people toward Jesus Christ. That knowledge was the key to the kingdom, and that key is Jesus Christ. Before Jesus died, he told Peter that he was giving Peter the keys to the kingdom. Now, he wasn't giving Peter uh, keys like these. He was talking in symbolic terms. And I think what Jesus was saying when he says, Look, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom, is he was saying, Look, I'm going to, I have prepared you and taught you and showed you everything you need so that the, the kingdom may be accessible to all that you preach and teach, this knowledge to, this wisdom that you have gained. Paul, uh, Jesus is saying, look, Peter, I want to use you to broaden the kingdom. And I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, look, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. I've, I've prepared you and showed you and given you the knowledge and wisdom that you need so that people may come into the kingdom. What the experts in the law were doing is they were keeping people out of the kingdom. But what Jesus wanted his apostles and disciples to do is to let people and usher them into the kingdom of God. Colossians 1, verses 9 through 11. For this reason also, since the day we heard this... Now, Paul is talking. He's, he's happy about what he's been hearing about the Colossians and how they're, they're doing pretty good. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord." Fully pleasing Him. Now, how are they going to walk uh, before the Lord and please Him? Because they are going to receive the knowledge and wisdom. And that's what Paul was praying for, for the people, that they would continue to grow, that they would have the knowledge and the wisdom of God and God's Word that they needed so that they could do what is pleasing to Him. How can we do what is pleasing to God if we don't know what God requires of us? If we don't know what God desires of us, how can we do what is pleasing to the Lord? Well, we can and that's why God is so good to give us His Word. Because we have a Bible full of what God wants a Christian to live like. How God wants us to live. How God wants us to interact. How God wants to have a relationship between us and Him. How God wants our relationships to be uh, between us and other people. And all of these things are in God's Word. And so if we want to do what is pleasing to God, then we need to grow in knowledge and in wisdom. And that's what Paul is telling the people of Colossae here. Bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Paul says, look, I want you to grow in knowledge and wisdom so that you can bear fruit. Again, that's why we go through books of the Bible. That's why we come to church. That's why we go to Bible studies. That's why we watch our favorite preacher on TV or listen to him on the radio. It's because we should, as Christians, uh, desire to dig deeper and know more about God and have a better relationship about Him. 
And where else can we go other than to his book that tells us everything we need to know? We read the word. We pray to God. We allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our heart and into our life and reveal things about God to us. So we grow in our knowledge. So we grow in our love to him. And therefore, we bear fruit. That is shown in, in, in our actions that we do for him, how we serve him, how we treat other people. All of those things are, are fruit that is uh, born, bared, uh, whatever word I'm looking for there, from our knowledge and wisdom of what God's word says. Verse 11, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Now that's a good encouraging voice. That's a good word that Paul is speaking into the people to encourage them. One, to let them know he's praying for them. Uh, and two, that they can keep growing and keep doing the work. Uh, let us continue on. Now, when we look at knowledge and wisdom, we don't have to look very far in the text until we see knowledge and wisdom mentioned. If you turn back to Genesis, you will, you, will, you will find a story where God puts Adam and Eve in the garden. And the garden is beautiful. It's made by God. It has to be a beautiful, wonderful place. But in the midst of the garden, God put a couple of trees there. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the other was the tree of life. Now, what happened was God told Adam and Eve they could eat from any tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, that was a very good thing for God to do. God didn't, didn't make Adam and Eve evil from the get-go. Adam and Eve, I believe, did not have any, any concept of what evil was because God had made everything and everything was good, the text tells us. And some people would say, well, why would God even do that? Now, we'll try not to get too into that. That's a, that's a whole deeper topic. But why would God even do that? If God is a loving God, why would he even give them the choice? Well, because love gives choice. Love can't force someone to do something. It can, but is that really love? God had to give Adam and Eve the choice. What kind of, of, of relationship would you be in if you forced someone to marry you? If you forced them to always do everything that you said? That would not be a good relationship. The people would complain and say, you never gave us a choice. We want to do what we want to do. What if we don't want to serve you? So God being a good God gave people a choice. God did not force anyone to love him. God did not force anyone to serve him. But God said, look, I want you to. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to take care of you. I want to provide for you for all of eternity. And I want everything to be perfect in your life. That's what God's desire was. That's what his desire was for Adam and Eve. And so the tree of life was there. And there's lots of interpretations and, and, and discussion as to uh, all these things and how it meant and would Adam and Eve have lived forever. And I believe that they would because the tree of life was there. And if they ate from the tree of life, they would continue to live. And God said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now the serpent came and deceived Eve and Adam. And the serpent said, look, God doesn't want you to eat off of this tree because he knows if you eat off this tree... Then you'll be like him and you'll know the difference between good and evil. Well, that was true. They would know that there was evil in the world, but they didn't need to. That was not God's purpose and intent. And Eve looked upon the tree, the text said, and saw that it was good for obtaining wisdom. 
she partook of the fruit and gave some to her husband who didn't say a word and just ate it as well. And all of a sudden, their eyes were instantly opened. All of a sudden, they realized what evil was, and what evil was was disobedience to God. When they ate of the tree, I don't believe that there was a there could have been, I can't speak for how God did it. Perhaps God had put some kind of poison in this, in this fruit that they ate that caused their body to degrade and caused death to take place. But I believe that what happened was is that the, the, the sin that took place, the evil that took place, was simply they were disobedient to God. <clears throat> that was the choice they had to make. Were they going to be obedient and do what God says, or were they not going to be obedient? If you're obedient to doing what God says, then you are living in good, which they were in the garden. But as soon as we make the choice to be disobedient to God, then evil is introduced to us, is introduced to the world. And now all of a sudden, in an instant, Adam and Eve knew what evil was. In an instant, there's this knowledge of both good and evil. And ever since then, we've been on this journey trying our best to understand and gain a knowledge and wisdom of what good really is and what obedience really is. From that one act of disobedience, we now come and study the Word constantly because we want to know what obedience really is. And so here we see knowledge and wisdom mentioned early on in the text. And we still want to continue to grow in knowledge and wisdom so that we don't make the same choice that Adam and Eve made. So that we don't choose to not be obedient to God as opposed to being obedient to God. Now here in the text, we've, we've kind of looked at several different, different verses that talk about wisdom, that talk about knowledge. Uh, it is clear that God desires for us to grow in knowledge and to grow in wisdom. It is clear that true knowledge and true wisdom only come from the Lord. And I believe as Christians, we all possess some knowledge of God and some wisdom. After all, we, we wouldn't have come to Jesus Christ if we wouldn't have received knowledge of Jesus Christ, if we wouldn't have received, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, received that Jesus Christ is wisdom and there's no hope apart from Him. So if we've come to Jesus Christ, we all possess some knowledge and wisdom. But what Paul says here is not so much the possessing of knowledge and wisdom, but what he says to one is given a message of wisdom or a message of knowledge. Now, some of your translations say a word. I think it's probably better. Uh, the ESV says an utterance. I kind of like that even better. An utterance of wisdom or an utterance of knowledge. That is, it's not just something that you obtain, but it's something that is spoken. When you utter something or when you speak a word of something or even speak a message of something, it's something that you are, that you are speaking back out. And Paul says that some have been given by the Holy Spirit, the gift of an utterance of knowledge or an utterance of wisdom. And I believe that what Paul is saying is that some have been given that knowledge and, and wisdom in a way that they can understand things and they can guide people in certain things that some others can't. I believe that's the way it is. There are people in my life, and you probably can, can look back in your life, and there are people in my life, and it is a very short list, but there are people in my life that I look at and I say they possess a deep wisdom. Deeper than anything that I possess, 
And I can look at that and I can see Christians in my life that I've experienced throughout the years. And I believe that they have exactly what Paul is talking about that. They have that, that understanding and that knowledge in such a way that they were able to speak it into my life and into others' lives because they understand that it had been revealed. It's been revealed to them in a way by the Holy Spirit that, that I'm not gifted in. And it's not just that they obtain this knowledge and this wisdom, but they have the gift of being able to impart it to other people. There are some people, and I know you've had to encounter them probably in your life, that can explain things in a way that just makes sense. That can explain things so simply, and it just makes so much sense. And you, and you hear what they say and you think about it, and you think there is so much wisdom and what they have said. I think about it all the time. When I read what Jesus said, these little parables, these little things he said, were often so simple and so short, but they were so deep. And it's like, whoa, he got it. How, did, how was he able to explain that in such a way that was so simple and so impactful? That's because he had the Holy Spirit. Obviously, Jesus had the Holy Spirit in full measure. And some of us in this world today, I believe God still gifts in that way, that the Holy Spirit gives us a wisdom and an understanding. There are some people in this world today that have that deeper knowledge. And it's not just that they have a knowledge of God's Word or are able to understand it maybe in a deeper way or it comes together for them in a way that maybe some of us don't understand that. But they have that knowledge and they're able to utter that knowledge to other people. They are able to teach other people. They are able to explain God's Word to other people. Again, you've probably experienced people like this in your life. You may have read a verse or a text a bunch of times and you don't get it, and some people have tried to explain it to you, but there may be that one or two people that they always can explain God's Word in a way that you say, I get that. I understand that. I have a knowledge of that now that I didn't possess before. And that knowledge and that ability to explain that knowledge to someone else is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And some people have these gifts and some people do not. Why the Holy Spirit choose to give some in one way and some in another way, or maybe some in no way, I don't know. I don't know why God does that. But the, the important thing that we realize through these words that we read of Paul is that we need to realize that there are Christians in this world that God has, 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 has blessed and poured something into them in a special way. And you may be one of them. You may be one that God has, has blessed you with a certain gift. And you need to make sure that if that's the case, that you use that gift for the Lord. If God has blessed you with that gift of wisdom and that gift of knowledge and the, the ability to be able to speak that and, and, and teach that into someone's life, then you need to use that gift. Whatever of these gifts it may be, if you possess one of them, then you need to use that gift for the Lord. If you possess the gift of wisdom and knowledge, then please share that gift with others that you encounter. Because that's what we're here for. That's why we read God's Word. That's why we come together. That's why it's important that we come together in a group. Should we have private, personal time with the Lord? Absolutely. But when we come together as a large group, you know what? That opens the door for more opportunity for somebody in that group to possess some of these gifts. So that we can share them with one another for the kingdom of God so that it may grow. That's what Paul says in verse 7. A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. Whatever that gift that we possess that God has given us, we need to use that for the benefit of the kingdom of God. 
so that we can grow in knowledge, so that we can grow in wisdom, so that we can go out and better do God's work. Because the better we understand uh, God's knowledge and the better we understand God's wisdom, and it's Jesus Christ, as Paul says, the better we understand that and how that, what that means in our life and how that affects us, the better we can go out and tell other people. You see, we want to gain knowledge and wisdom so we can go out and we can give knowledge and wisdom. We want to take our gifts. We want to grow in our gifts. We want to use our gifts for God to lead people to Jesus Christ. And our world needs Jesus Christ in a mighty way today. You think our world don't need knowledge of Jesus Christ? Then turn on the news. The world is just like what Paul describes. The, the, the people of this world that think they are wise, they have got it all wrong. The people of this world who think they have the answers, they don't have the answer. You know how I can say that? Because they're not saying Jesus is the answer. And Jesus is wisdom. Jesus is the answer. So anybody that's trying to come up to a, the solution to our world's problem with an answer other than Jesus Christ, it's the wrong answer. It's the wrong answer. And we want to go out and we want to give people the right answer. We want to give people the right answer so when they have the test before them, just as Adam and Eve had before them, just as you and I have before us, is are we going to choose God or are we going to not choose God? Are we going to choose <coughs> obedience or are we going to choose disobedience? That's the test that we all have to decide what are we going to answer that question? How are we going to answer it with our lives? And praise the Lord, we as Christians, we know the answer. We've got the knowledge. We've got the wisdom. And we need to tell the world the answer is Jesus Christ. And His life and life crucified. His blood shed. His resurrection. All of this. His grace that we receive through His death on the cross. That's the answer to the world's problems. And it is love. And we have that knowledge, we have that wisdom, and we need to take it and give it to the world. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for all these texts. God, help us not to be overwhelmed. I know we look at a lot of stuff, but God, help, help your Holy Spirit to, to lead and guide and help us to understand and make sense, dear Lord. We know clearly that your word calls us to, to have knowledge and to seek wisdom. God, help us to, to, to be able to, to accept uh, correction, dear Lord, so that we can grow in knowledge. Help us not to be those who are, who are too stupid to, to learn and to be taught, God. Help us not to be those who are foolish, but help us to be those who grow in knowledge and wisdom. God, I thank you for those that you have, that you have placed an extra measure of, of wisdom and knowledge on, the ones that you put in our lives that can speak into our lives, God, that can teach and lead and guide us to know uh, how we need to live and how we can grow in your word dear lord if there are some in this room today that you have placed that gift on god i pray that you would just help them to realize it maybe they don't even realize their gift whatever it may be but god help us as we look at these gifts over the next few weeks to see are there areas where maybe you've gifted us in that way god just help us to to be able to discern and distinguish and know god that you've put that in us let the holy spirit reveal that to us and god help us to see areas where we can use our gifts if we have them to further your kingdom, dear Lord. Help us to grow in knowledge. Help us to grow in wisdom. Help us to grow in Jesus Christ. God, help us to be full of passion and, and just uh, overrun with desire to go and tell the world about Jesus, dear Lord. 
just just help us to get that. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes we can be just kind of lazy about it, God. But I pray that you would ignite us with a passion and a zeal and a desire to go out and, and just a, a bravery, God, and a confidence and a faith and a trust to go out and tell people about you, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that we would be those who are, who are bringing knowledge and wisdom into the world. God, that we are showing the world love so that the world can see Jesus Christ and who he is so that, he can, so that they can come to that wisdom, God, that your word tells us about. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.